you for tuning in to the Director's Chair Podcast. My name is Jared, and this is my co-host, Moose. Hello. Howdy. Oh, okay. We're doing this now? Um, <laughs> we are doing this. <laughs> and this is the third episode of talking about the Mass Effect trilogy, where we are going to be discussing the third and final game in the trilogy. Uh, Andromeda doesn't exist. No, I'm joking. I haven't even played it, so I don't even know if it's good or not. Is it? You, you said it's pretty decent, right? It's one of those games where it's like, if you've never been introduced to a Mass Effect game before, and then you played that one, you're like, okay, it's pretty decent. But then it's like, you play the other ones, and you're like, oh, okay, now I know why people don't like this one. It's just, it's just falls into the category of, like, the open world, like, formula. You know, I was talking about, like, a couple days ago, not on the podcast, but a couple days ago, I was talking about how, um video games have this like open world formula where it's like everything feels like a checklist that's what mass effect kind of turned into because mass effect's not known for being like an open world game that has places to explore but every planet is essentially like its own level not necessarily an open world thing but it's like it, it turned every planet that you visit into like an open world environment with like things to do and checklists and the side missions aren't as great Anyways, that's not what we're here to talk about today. We'll make another episode of Mass Effect Andromeda if we feel like it. But I still would need to play the game in order for us to do that, but Exactly. I have the I've already bought the game on Steam, so you can just share it. TLDR big open world, lots of checklists, did not want to play World of Warcraft in space. <laughs> Literally. No, it's 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 I don't want to play uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla in space because that's essentially what it feels like. There's so much shit to do, you just get overwhelmed. Fair enough. Fair enough. So let's give, uh, and this is something we haven't done for the last two episodes, and I want to start doing for these um, next episodes. I want to give like a brief summary of what this game is about before we start discussing what we like and we don't like about it, so that there's like a little bit more context for the people watching and listening so that they can like have a better understanding of where we're coming from so yeah my best summary of mass effect 3 is the culmination of between learning about the reapers in the first game and the and then you fight the collectors in the second game the third game essentially everybody ignored everything that happened the last two games and the reapers have come and you pretty much have to get the galaxy ready to fight the Reapers um, as they invade Earth at the very beginning of the game. The literal main mechanic of Mass Effect 3 is being able to look at your galactic readiness in the little table that you have in the Normandy, basically seeing the level of galactic readiness that you have and basically you know, making sure that you're prepared for the Reapers to invade. Yeah. It's, it's that, that is, it's a story. It's what drives the story. It's what drives, and it is also what drives the gameplay. It's just making sure that everybody can be united as one. And it physically will not let you do the ending until you reach a specific galactic readiness. That's not true, actually. What it it has a limit, doesn't it? They said like it has be... it has a it has a minimum, but you don't have to hit that minimum. You don't have to hit that minimum. No, you'll just get completely fucking wrecked. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I 
I I, I, I thought like, it wouldn't let you finish if you didn't. You would basically game. you would basically get to the point where you're at the end of the game, but like Okay, spoiler everybody alert. Pretty much dies. <laughs> yeah, but everybody pretty much dies. Yeah. It's like you're not emotionally prepared and you're not emotionally ready and the and everybody starts dying because it's like you weren't prepared. Fair enough. But I mean as well, it, it also depends on what you've done in the previous games. Like, for example, if in the suicide mission you lose Jack. Um actually if you do lose Jack, do you still do the the mission with the school? Or um so yeah you'll get a distress signal from the school and J jack just won't be there as far as i'm aware interesting jack because what's it called um you'll get the students as points in your galactic greatness but not jack and what about the rachni what if you exterminated the rachni in the first game you i do not know i've never done that <laughs> That's interesting. I've it actually kind of makes me want to replay it to see what would happen. This is what we're talking about, guys. This story and this game is so interesting. We want to play through another hundred hours of it. I mean, <laughs> how many hours did you put into the game? I put eighty-two. I put, I put exactly. Actually, hang on. Let me open my Steam. I put eighty-two. Is a, according to my Steam. If I'm not mistaken, I have put in exactly 100 hours. Are you, you're probably not going to touch it because you want to leave it there, <laughs> or maybe not. Well, I'm okay. I'm okay with messing that up. If I get over 100 hours, it's just intense to me. Fair enough. But yeah, so that's pretty much a brief summary of what we're going to be talking about today um, about the game. Uh, spoilers ahead. Yeah, it's a, it's 100 hours, by the way. <laughs> uh, spoilers ahead for the third game. Um, I'm going to talk about my ending near the end of the podcast because it's going to turn into me bitching <laughs> the entire ending of this podcast about why I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah, I am going to basically rant about how terrible of a person he is. You, I'll, I'll explain later. But I did not. So you will hear the best possible ending from me. <laughs> I, yeah. Well, I'm going to do, we're going to talk about um, our favorite things about this one and some things that, that we were okay with but weren't like the best. And then just a few gripes because I don't really have any for this game. Like any gripes, uh, I have a few gripes for this game, but it will go into like the negative portion. I have mostly positive things to say about this game. It's not necessarily like when I'm talking about this game, it's the game that I have the least to say about. But the stuff that I do have to say, I feel is pretty significant. Yeah, and, and I feel like I feel like this game improved on a lot of things. But then it just a few things they kind of messed up on. Like, for example, I feel like the squad mates, like there should have been more and they should have been more interesting. In my opinion, whereas the second game, they had all these interesting squad mates that just show up in the third game. What like, I think 
Okay, so I have a, I have like a scenario as to like how it could have worked and how I would perceive that. Um, but I'm going to talk about it once we actually get to the bad stuff. I always want to open it up with the good stuff because I always feel like talking about the positives about the game kind of gives you the overall thought process of what we're thinking when we're talking about this game, if we actually like it or not. Yeah. I'm going to say I'm going to say right here right now. As I've stated for all of the Mass Effect games, I love every single game. I love the entire franchise. Um, my main gripe is predominantly with this one, but we're going to get to that in a second. I love the gameplay, love the story, love basically the same things that I've been saying for the last couple games. I the The gameplay is very solid. The story is very solid as well. Um, and I think the overall development of the characters in this one really shines in this because when you start off in Mass Effect 1, you see these characters that are very much so like they're definitely at the beginning of their character arcs. And as they go through these three games, you see them closing at the end of this three game saga where you're at least putting like 20 to 40 hours into each game. It's like you're spending so much time with these characters and you're putting so much effort into making sure that everybody gets out of this and walks away and you don't know what's going to happen at the end of this game. So it's just so, it's so, well, if nobody spoiled the ending for you, unfortunately, but if, if you're looking at the entire franchise as a whole, this game really shines in terms of trying to wrap up story arcs, trying to wrap up character arcs, and trying to show that these characters have come out of the other side of this war as different people and people that they can call their fully actualized self selves. I messed up that phrase, but you knew what I meant. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's cr like my my biggest thing that I love the most is how you turn these characters that some of them absolutely hated each other like the geth and the quarians and like a, like the krogan against the i keep forgetting their goddamn names arians salarians the salarians yes like how they went from hating to each other to working together especially getting the krogan to work with the turians um to try to help their planet and stuff like that like it's crazy to me that we were that you're able to go from a galaxy that absolutely hates each other you know everyone like dis dislikes the humans and they don't, they're not even on the council and it goes from all that stuff to like working together to fight this singular enemy a cough cough what white walker should have been but <laughs> I keep on telling him that literally the Reapers are White Walkers if done correctly, because this I have constantly stated that this franchise should be a TV show before a movie. No fucking way could they ever make something like this story just a movie. Yeah, it, unless they made it like a trilogy, but even still, that's so much stuff they might not even be able to fit into a trilogy. Yeah, like it's, I, I it would have to be like the same length as like the Fast and Furious movies, where it's like it has to be like nine, ten movies. Just and by then, I mean, people are still watching the Fast and Furious movies, so 
People, I know, but still, I'm just. Do you know saying. they have a uh, just a tiny seest bit off topic? They have a tenth and eleventh one planned. No, they have a tenth one planned, and the tenth. Oh no, yeah, the tenth and eleventh, and the eleventh is going to be the last one. That's what they're going to say, but I doubt it. It's not going to be the last movie in the Fast and Furious saga, but it's going to be like, or it's going to be the last of like the mainline Fast and Furious movies, is what they said. Uh-huh. It's going to be like. Because they're going to be filmed back to back, and it's essentially going to be like what a part one and a part two would be, but they're not going to be called part one and part two. It's like similarly to like Avengers, Infinity War, and Endgame. Oh, okay. It's well, just, you know, instead of having a franchise that is built off of like 23 movies and all that sort of stuff, it's a franchise about cars. Either way, if they were to make a Mass Effect like movie series, it would have to be at least in my opinion, six to seven movies to be decently, like, stretched out, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, six or seven, maybe not nine, because I feel like then they're just strewing everything around. Yeah. But to get back on topic, something that I really wanted to talk about, something that I feel like this game really shines in, I think this game as a fully actualized shepherd and it's 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 weird because it's like if you look at the last two games shepherd's obviously causing a lot of things but so i think that in this game shepherd is his fully actualized self because if you watch the two previous games you watch shepherd he's making things happen but i feel like as a character i feel as though he's very passive sure they mention his backstory a bunch depending on what your backstory is and all that sort of stuff but he is a person who is very much so a guy who is very passively affecting the story he's doing things he's making things happen in the story and that makes him a character that you want to follow because he's obviously making all the big decisions but i feel as a character we don't get a whole lot of him so instead of him pushing the story forward the story is just kind of make forcing him to go forward in a way it's more like he's making the story go forward but i feel like he's not a fully fledged out character in the last two games if that makes any sense okay it's like he is a character that's making things happen and he's definitely the protagonist that's that much is abundantly clear but it's like i feel like there's not enough character development for him as a person unless you're like really focusing on that aspect of him which i was so i got that majority of it but it's like in this game Shepard talks about his emotions. He talks about his feelings. He feels about, he feels this sense of survivor's guilt in Mass Effect 3 in the representation of the boy that is, that dies in the game at the very beginning. Um, and then at the ending kind of is represented by the final Reaper. Yeah. But it's like, he really shows how much this war is t- 
taking a toll on him. It shows how human he is. And I really think that Mass Effect 3 does something that I feel like the other games do, but I don't think they do as well in Mass Effect 3. Um, it, it just really shows Shepard being human and shows him being, you know, a person with feelings. And I think that's what matters the most. I feel like Shepard is constantly everybody's therapist, you know, because it's like he's constantly talking to everybody and constantly talking to them about their problems. And that's the whole point. You know, you're supposed to learn about the characters and, you know, he's supposed to kind of guide them and help them through it because he's the commander. He's supposed to help his squad kind of get onto the other side of whatever's really happening to them. Yeah. But at the same time, Shepard, you know, has to fucking hide away in his cabin and like pretend that he's like, you know, not affected by any of this. But in reality, he's the most affected. And I think that that's something that we don't get to see a a lot of in the other games. We see it, but we don't get to see a lot of it. We see that he's untrustworthy of the elusive man. We see that he's untrustworthy of certain things. We see that he's very emotional towards the people that he's romancing. We see that he's very much so a person who cares, but I feel like we don't get to see the weight. Like we don't get to see the emotional toll of what this war is doing to Shepard because, you know, he doesn't take a second to breathe and ever talk about himself. He's like, you know, I don't trust anybody. And I also care about the people that I work with, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, in Mass Effect 3, he starts talking about how much this has been affecting him. There's a conversation he has with Garrus about the people that he's lost and the people that, you know, he has been dealing with in terms of, like, the people that he's lost on Earth and stuff like that. He talks about the boy that dies, and he's like, I don't understand how I was able to survive and that boy didn't what makes me so special. And that's like literal survivor's guilt right there. He is suffering from that. And he feels the weight of this war just by seeing how earth has been just completely destroyed. Cause it's a representation of just humanity in general. And that kid is like, yeah, he was able to get off the planet and stuff, but how many more other children and women and like people have died? It's not just that kid Like, it also represents everyone else on the planet that is dying at the moment because of the invasion. Yeah, and it just, it really goes to show how good the writing is in this entire franchise. It's like the game that I feel like people dislike the most because of the ending and stuff like that and how that ending was perceived. It's like, this game, even though it's considered like, like the the weakest of the franchise technically speaking in the fans eyes at least it really goes to show how like the writing is still consistently good across the entire franchise it's just the ending decision is a little disappointing a little but at the same time you know it's it is what it is yeah i mean i feel i feel like the things that led up to the ending kind of make up for the end like the ending, I looked at some of the other endings as well, and we'll talk about that a little bit more, but I feel like everything that led up to it was also really good. Like, I feel like, and this is another big thing that I liked about the the Mass Effect 3, was I liked the fact that 
the ending of some story arcs were fulfilling. Like, you you always see about these, like, stories where, like, yeah, we ended a storyline but or a story arc, but it doesn't feel really fulfilling. It just feels like they, they ended it because fans wanted them to. Does it make sense? Yeah. It's like... It's like this has to end somewhere and it's like, okay, so we are going to decide to make an ending. But it's like this feels like a fully fledged out story. Yeah, it feels like they put time and effort and then it's like, okay, I can leave uh, the geth. Like, for example, when they uh, when they made the geth more self-aware and that they were independent from one another, like the way they ended it, it's like, okay, I can leave the geth. And I'm not sitting there like, okay, but could you elaborate or like show us why or how? Because when they showed that um, Geth Prime coming over and talking, it already showed the the already the effects that were happening. Is like that dude would normally be shooting rockets at us. Now yeah. he's helping us. I think that that's super cool that you're able to, because f- ironically there is a decision to be had there. If you're not playing like, um, what's it called? Like, if you're not playing the middleman between the Geth and the Quarians, you're, there's a decision to be had there. You either have to choose between the Quarians regaining the, like, homeworld or the Geth kind of gaining consciousness. But if you're being the passive person, if you're being the person who's like basically the peacekeeper between the two, you are a, or the, the the mediator is the word I'm looking for. If you're being the mediator between the two of them, they're able to coexist. I, I, oh, sorry. Oh, oh, real quickly before I forget, I was talking and there was a guy I was playing a game with. This was like immediately after I finished the game. I was talking to him and he was like, yeah, my um, tally died. And I was like, how? How did your tally die? He's like, whoa, in the second game, she got exiled from the Koreans. And then when it came to the third game, I chose the Geth to live, like to be independent. Well, because I she got exiled, she she thought it was too much and she ended up f- killing herself. Yeah, that that's that's the decision because you have to choose between the Geth and the uh, and Tally. And it's like. Well, the thing is, That's, the way I played it, I was able to save both of them. Tally yeah, didn't kill I, I, I did the same thing, too. I managed to save both of them. Oh, okay, yeah. But Which I just is, thought it was you interesting. Know, that, that, that's, that's, that's obviously the preferred ending to it. You know, you don't want either of them to die. You don't want Legion to die. I like Legion. Legion's cool. Yeah, when, Legion's he says, cool. when he says, does this unit have a soul? I, like, fucking started tearing up. I was so sad. I was like, oh god, this man's gonna fucking die. I just know it. In the next, like, five minutes, he's gonna die, I can tell. It's like Chekhov's but, gun, the second they question their own... Like, as soon as there's, like, any significant uh, character growth, they're like, oh, time to cut the head off. <laughs> yeah. I, uh... So, I mean, overall, I think we can say... The, the the gameplay going into the gameplay aspect of it because we've been talking a lot about the story the gameplay aspect of it is very consistent with how mass effect 2 was if not i feel a little bit more gun centric i said this in mass effect 2's podcast i where feel we like, like everything in mass effect 3 
was based around epic moments like when um like curing the genophage <laughs> yeah curing the genophage pretty much like oh we didn't even talk about that brother there are so many ways that mission can go <laughs> i i i got I so, mean, so I, gonna, I told them about what they wanted, that they wanted to, like, corrupt it or whatever. Yeah. So what I'm going to tell you, something that is able to happen. So I'm going to tell you every single possible outcome. It's, like, only a few, but each of them are drastically different. Okay. So you can, so you can save the genophage, or cure the genophage, excuse me. You which can cure the genophage, which is what me and Jared both have. We can stop the genophage from being cured with Rex as the dictator in the Krogan, like Rex being the leader of the Krogan. And yeah, we end up. How, how does he agree to it, though? Let me finish. We end up killing Morden because Morden's the one who wants to end up kill, uh, curing the genophage. So we end up shooting Morden. That makes me sad. Um, Just thinking but, about it, yeah. But la- but later on, you find out that Rex finds out that you didn't cure the genophage, so he tries to kill you. But then you end up killing Rex. Um. Then we have a third option, which is, uh, what's it called? Um, if you ended up not saving Rex in the first game. That guy that was um, like arguing with him in the like kind of like Colosseum type area when Eve starts talking and stuff like that. The guy that's arguing with him, I think his name is like Drev or something like that. Yeah. Um, he's the one leading the Krogan now. So if he's alive and Eve is still alive and you go into... Uh, what's it called? If you go to cure the genophage, you'll end up having Morden still trying to cure the genophage. But if you want to stop curing the genophage, you kill him. But Drev doesn't know a thing, so you get the support of the Salarians and you get the support of um, the Krogan still. Because when you when you when you kill Rex, the Krogan support is pulled away. Um, but if you want everybody to live. <laughs> And have the cure uh, the cure the genophage option not happen. You need to have not saved the data of Morden's friend, his like little apprentice in Mass Effect Two. You don't save that data. That means that Eve will die, and then with Drev being the only one that's ruling the Krogan and not having like a mediator like Eve, Morden won't believe that right now is the correct time to cure the genophage because of the leadership and that causes um morden to agree with you that maybe you shouldn't cure the genophage so morden doesn't die shepherd stays alive the krogan are alive and then you get the support of the salarians so that's all four ways that it could go <laughs> interesting i did not know that was a that was another option yeah, it's it's pretty intense because it's like, you know, obviously, if you're a person with a fucking soul, you're going to cure the genophage. But at the Which same we time, but yeah, we, we lost the Salarians, but honestly, we don't need them. 
Well, look, at the end of the day, the Solarians can go fuck themselves. I managed to get 8,000 galactic readiness without the Solarians. I mean, the only really good one was Morden. That was pretty much it. I can't really I think like of the any... Solari- the, the, the Solarians are a nice race. It's not like I don't oh, like Oh, the them. Task Force. The Task Force was pretty cool, too. We will hold the line! <laughs> yeah, and, like, the captain... Like, that... The Okay, the Task Force, the captain, and Morden. That was pretty much it. All the other ones are, like... They're really greedy. I, didn't, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that they're greedy. I think they're just more based around logic rather than anything. Yeah, but it, then it turns them into assholes. Maybe smart people well, are just assholes. I think I think of it's <laughs> I think of it similarly to um like Spock in uh Star Trek where it's like his he is about logic more than anything, but obviously he's still human. He's like half human, half Voltron. I almost forgot the race. Um, I never actually seen like, Star Trek. Uh, the Voltrons are like based around like. Well, I I know I I know of that stuff. I just never really like. I know, but I'm just saying it. for the podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, as a whole, Voltrons are based solely around like logic, and I think that that's what the Solarians feel like. They feel the most like Voltrons. If I had to compare this franchise to any other franchise, it would probably be Star Trek. Because I think Star Trek has the most of like what Mass Effect has to offer. But yeah, I have spoken about that. <laughs> yeah, I have spoken, as you reference Star Wars. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> um, so another big thing that I really liked about this game... Um, I feel like it's the best gameplay. I I, I know I was. I disagree. <laughs> I I know I was complaining to Michael about like the gameplay and this like when I first started playing it, but that was until I got some of the guns, and then I was like, okay, this is pretty interesting, and then I kept playing a little bit more. I feel like, and this also has to do with my play style. I feel like the third game is faster. Than the second game, whereas the second game requires more slow movement and like planning. But I'm more of you a. You see, I, I also think that that's because of your specific class. I don't know if that's necessarily because of Mass Effect 2 or Mass Effect 1. I think it predominantly has to do with your class because I think your class specifically is meant to be like confusing the enemy and trying to make sure that you can like try to hide away from them and try to like kill them without being noticed well not not being noticed but you know what i mean yeah but it's i think i don't think that mass effect 3's gameplay is bad i think it's very good i think in terms of gunplay and how everything works i think that it's the strongest of the franchise however I think as a whole, the thing you got to take into consideration is, you know, depending on whichever class you're playing, depending on how you set up your shepherd, it being focused entirely on gunplay in the last game feels almost like we're taking everything away from you a little bit. And it's like, we're just giving you guns. And I feel like, 
more often than not, I had to focus primarily on my gunplay rather than the powers. Because as an adept, I was using my powers all the time. Yeah. Like, nonstop. Like, that was my... In Mass Effect 2, it's the most balanced, is how I perceive it. It's like, you're constantly using your powers, but you also have your guns. You're using your powers and you're using the guns to basically do the double tap. That, that, that's, that's how I react to it. Their powers throw people off guard. They knock enemies away when you need a breather. They allow you to do some extra damage to bosses and stuff like that. It gives you the upper hand, at least in my opinion. It gives you a way to kind of give balance to the gunplay and to the power set. It works, in my opinion, is how I feel it should be. It's Mass Effect 2 is the perfect set of what this trilogy does for the powers and for the gunplay and stuff like that. Not that the gunplay is bad. If you're playing as a soldier, if you're playing as a normal soldier, that's all you have to use. You know, you only have the guns and the different types of ammunition and the different types of like abilities that the soldiers have. But it's like, for me, as an adept, as a biotic, I really think that Mass Effect 2 has the best balance. I think Mass Effect 3 is very good with the gunplay, though, and I'm not going to shit on Mass Effect 3's... I'm not going to shit on Mass Effect 3 as a whole just because of its gameplay, but all I am going to say is if you played the Citadel mission and then you got the silenced pistol and you used anything else other than the silenced pistol for the rest of the game, then what's the point of having that silenced pistol? That silenced pistol can Fair murder. Enough. That, that silenced pistol can kill um, the Banshees like in four shots. Oh, I know. It's not. It's ridiculously OP. And if you upgrade it too, oh my god. <laughs> I, I, I will say, uh, I switched. For, I was trying to think to myself because at the beginning of the game, I was using the sniper rifle, and for some reason, in the second and third game, they nerfed the shit out of the sniper rifle. Like, but the time it takes to like charge the next shot is so slow but by the time you charge the next shot you're getting blown up each time well so, that's well, the the guns are also able to be upgraded the mods also uh decrease the 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 charge up time and stuff like that so that like that that's the logic behind it you know it's like you well know, i ended mods. up using the semi-automatic uh sniper rifles instead because they've they felt more like, not fulfilling, but like they felt better. Even though the bolt action ones were like more powerful, I just felt like I was doing more with the semi-automatic ones. But when we get that silence pistol, and I, I think I called you after this, after I got it and I used it for like a mission or two, and it's just fucking hilarious. I was laughing my ass off. Like, why would you use anything else? You know, it's oh, like... No, no, I was literally going through these missions. I would see an enemy, I'd be like, oh, oh, boop, and just fucking one-shot them. And then I, and I'd fucking one-tap, yeah. like, one-tap, one-tap, one-tap. It's just, it got to the point where I was like, and I called Michael, I was like, dude, I don't like Cerberus, because I keep one-tapping them with this goddamn pistol. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's funny, though, because it's like, I want to talk about the Citadel DLC for a minute. I think that 
it's the best DLC in the entire franchise. It's probably one of my favorite DLCs. Oh, oh the, besides the, the, Tiny Tina's. Uh, I'm uh, talking about the franchise. I'm talking about the franchise. I'm talking about the franchise, not I'm, I'm DLC just, as a whole. I know, I know, I know. I'm just, yeah. yeah. Um, but the Citadel DLC really just like plays into the humor it plays into the fact that you know all these characters and you love all these characters it plays into everything that you want for this game for this franchise and real quickly before i forget for the ending of the citadel thing you can delay the party until you have everyone by the way so that's what i did i uh I waited until I got everybody on board, and then I started the party. All right, good, 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 good. Um, what's it called? Uh, yeah, it was really cool because it's like I was playing, and I was just blown away by how like it, it, it's the most self-aware DLC on the planet, and I love that so much because it's like you don't expect this from Mass Effect, in my opinion. Like, you don't expect this from Mass Effect, but it's like it's got such great humor, it's got a really interesting story that makes sense in the context of the rest of the franchise, and it uses the entire squad. Yeah. Like, not, we're not talking about the entire squad in Mass Effect 3. We're talking about the entire squad from the entire franchise in this game. It's so cool. And it's, like, it's a great way to, like... This is the reason why I waited till, like, the very, very, very end of the game. Like, right up till the last final mission to do Citadel. Because it's, like... It's such a good way to say goodbye to the to the crew and to the squad and everybody. It's just such a good way to be like, you know what? Yeah, goodbye. It's so like it's saddening. It it, it made me feel stuff that I didn't think I could feel, and I'm <laughs> I'm very happy that I did because it's a very good DLC. So I, I put that out there. Messed up though. For mine, I mine I accidentally started the Citadel DLC without even realizing it, cause yeah, I just saw the thing as like, oh, do you want to go to this apartment? I was like, sure, why not? I didn't know it was the Citadel DLC, cause Michael told me not to do the Citadel DLC, but it just said to go to an apartment. So I was like, oh, I'll check it out. Didn't realize that it was actually a mission. <laughs> it's very like the thing that I was like very wary of. It's like I feel very skeptical about all the missions on the Citadel because it's like I really hope I don't start the Citadel DLC. That 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 was my logic behind it. Cause you know, Legendary Edition doesn't tell you that. Oh yeah, this is the Citadel DLC because everything's blended together. So it's just like you're sitting there. It's like oh yeah, cool. Now I'm playing the Citadel DLC. Shit. <laughs> Damn. But uh, but yeah, I think the Omega DLC is also pretty cool too, depending on how you play that one. But, I I really like the Omega DLC. It, it kind of, I'm not gonna lie. Is there any other time in the entire franchise that they show a female Turian? Not once. Um, in Andromeda they do. 
And then they mention female Turians in the entire trilogy, but it's like... What I love the most is this third game was the first time they introduced a, a Krogan female and a female um, Turian. Like, that's the first I'm time sure, you see them. Too. I think I think we've seen Krogan females, though. In... You, see, you don't, like, fully see them. You, like, see these, like, silhouettes and, like, body bags. No, 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 because in Mass Effect 2, if you walk around Tachanka, like that hub area, you're able to talk to like a female Krogan. You're able to, a couple of them are female. Oh. They all look the same, unfortunately, so it's like you can't tell the difference. Oh, okay. I, I just, I, I guess I didn't see them or something, but. Yeah. I, either but way, I, do, I just think I it's do... funny. I do believe that the female Turian, I think that's the first female Turian in the franchise. Like, at least one that we're able to interact with. Yeah. And she was pretty cool, too. I mean, her, char- her character was, like, actually interesting. And then the entire time, you know, I forgot the other lady's name. I keep forgetting their names. The one that was already in charge of Omega. Can't remember. Oh, so you can't remember. The sorry. You know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. She's like the entire time just going on a rave about No, this is mine. Like freaking out. I was by the end of the DLC, I was like, God, why won't you just shut up? Like, and then by the end she was actually for the people. I was like, about time. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I uh Yeah. I, I I don't know. I was playing really. Weird. I was like, I felt like I had to like agree with her a bunch because I felt like if I didn't agree with her, she was one of those people where it's like she'll take away the support if I don't agree with her. No, I wasn't agreeing with her at all, and she still gave support. Yeah, like I just I I know, but like that that I don't know. I was very skeptical a little bit because I was like, oh no, this might not be good. Either way, I I think the mission was pretty good, and I think it has a lot to do with like revolutions and like like revolutions in an area. Because like at the ending, when you turn off those force fields, and then the Cerber soldiers are like, "Oh shit, the one thing protecting us is gone," and then you just see the mob go like, "All right, motherfucker," (laughs) like. I think it's, I wish America had a fucking force field that would go down, and they're like, "Oh shit, we're vulnerable." Yeah, I I just think it's hilarious how like didn't mean to get political. Sorry, there, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I I think it's just pretty cool how like they represent that these people that have been suffering are now rising up against their, you know, their dictators. <laughs> yeah, I just find it like very. Um, I, I just think that all around it's a good DLC if you want like a lot of action and you want a lot of like what makes the game good and like what makes the game like feel that there's like a bunch of weight to it. It's like you need to help people for them to give you help. But it's like it's not just, oh, yeah, I have to help you so you'll help me. It's like in order to have them help you, you need to help them. Like, they can't help you without you physically helping them. Yeah. And, and I think that is really cool. It's, it, this, this DLC is the perfect example of that, in my opinion. Not only did you help her 
regain Omega, but you helped her open her eyes to like, not only is Omega a place, it's it's a people, you know? Yeah. It's like Asgard. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but like, it's... It's not a place. Well, Asgard's not the place. It's the people. Why did I turn Thor Australian? I was going to say that was odd. But it, he, she realizes that it's not just her. It's everyone else in Omega that matters as well. Because without yeah. them, she has literally no power. Exactly. I think that it's such a, again, it's such a good DLC. And, uh... Not better than wrap- Citadel, but... Yeah. I think, to wrap up this section, I think the things that we will say are the very best portions of the game really revolve around the story and the gameplay. And I think that how everything has a lot of weight to it, I think, and just to summarize the good portion of it is that it's just the story and the culmination of what all these games have been leading up to is just so great. And I feel like they delivered on all cylinders in that regard. Um, now for and, the for the okay things, I think. I mean, I I liked the um, I liked the um, the way that they did research in the second game, and I think they should have brought that back for the third game, in my opinion, because I really are you, liked, talk, you are you talking about the probing mini game? Yeah, the probing mini game. I kind I really liked it. I, I don't we know. We never mentioned that in the last one. I feel like we should have. I sent you a meme before you even played Mass Effect Two about the about the scanner. How it's like you hope that you get this element, and then it's like you hope you're getting element zero, but it's like nope, it's palladium. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but it, like, I really liked that probing game, and then the third game, it's about like scanning, and I thought it was pretty cool how like. If you scan too much, the Reaper's like, oh, we better run. <laughs> I have never felt more anxiety in a game than when the Reapers find me and then they start chasing me. <laughs> I, it's like, shit, shit. I'm I've like won- running out of there. <laughs> I've it's like, I'm not done in this once. galaxy yet. It's like, I'm not done in this galaxy yet. Because the thing is, is that you can collect like war assets on different planets and stuff like that. If you scan, you're able to collect war assets off the different planets. And I was trying to find some more war assets so that I could get my um, galactic readiness to a different, to, to, to a little bit of a higher thing. And then I, I just find it hilarious because it's just like I was flying through a galaxy, scanning a bunch, and then the Reapers would find me and I would start collecting the stuff that I'm finding and then get out of there. And then I find out that there's still stuff in that galaxy that the Reapers found me in. So I got to go back there. So I go in and the Reapers are chasing me while I'm scanning around the entire solar system, just trying to figure it out. I'm just like, shit, (laughs) I'm fucked. I only got chased once and I immediately took a mass relay out of there. (laughs) Yeah, that's a, that's something that I just find really funny. It's just like, I am a person who's very ballsy in that regard, so I was just scanning and just scanning and just trying to just find the person, just find the stuff. Person. What did I just say? Just trying to find stuff and equipment and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the war asset thing, but I feel like if it was like the probing minigame again, then it probably would have 
like went in the other category that we just did about the things I loved because I I really liked that research thing because it felt like when I was going to each system instead of you know just doing the mission and then leaving I was sticking around going to the planets reading the description and then I would do probe so I was learning about these planets as I was probing them I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool and stuff. Whereas this war asset stuff, I was just grabbing the war asset and going. I wasn't yeah. really doing much else. I and- do I do not like what they did in the game regarding side missions. Um, well, that's for the I'm other category. To, no, I thought we were just going to talk about things that we should have done. Like, I don't... There are things that I really like about the game, and then there's just stuff that I don't like. Okay. Um, so I'm just going to start talking about stuff that I don't like. It does revolve around the side missions. The side missions that are side missions that are story-based side missions and have stuff related to it... I, I feel quotes. They're good. Oh. <laughs> they're, they're good. However, they decided to replace the majority of the side missions with overhearing people on the citadel being like oh yeah i lost my dildo on earth can you go can i if if only somebody can go get it for me and then you fly all the way to the planet that they talked about and then you scan the planet and then you're like okay there's the war asset and then now you have to go back to the citadel and give them the thing and then you get war assets and it's good it's fine for like getting it's a fetch quest it's a fetch quest but you don't do anything you fly that's it and then you scan and then you probe i was sick of flying about five hours into the game i'm like i'm sick of this shit i was so done because it's like i would get these missions i would get them and then i wouldn't even realize that i get them like i would just be walking through the citadel and then shepherd would just overhear somebody that i just ran past and then I would look at my mission list, and I have like twenty-five new missions. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? I didn't talk to anyone. Well, you know the that race, the the one with the big arms, and they have to like express their emotions through v- verbal. Yeah, the Rangar, the 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 Rangar, I believe they're called. Yeah. Well, what happened was I talked to the guy, and I guess I already had his war asset just from flying around because i scanned it and then i just grabbed it real quick like a few hours beforehand i talked to him and he's like yeah can you go to that planet and receive this and like he was talking and stuff i was like okay so i went out of my way went back to that system and i was like i I feel like i've been here before and i look because you know what his mission is can you make sure that everybody is able to get out safely? You can't do that on your own without him telling you. Well, for some reason, I went there. I didn't find anything on the planet. I came back, and then he was like, thank you for doing it. And I was like, I didn't even... I didn't even find anything. Yeah. Because the thing is, is like you're supposed to scan, and you scanning is apparently you going down to the planet and like helping the Rankar. Which, by the way, that would have been a sick mission. That's what if, I was thinking. Like, I was like, oh, if, I'm gonna go help him now. If you could like go and then see like, I have this really cool image that I put on my Twitter that is 
basically this particular species, but it's hang on, I'm gonna send it to you. It's them just like with guns on their backs. And I'm like, imagine if this isn't the fucking game! That would be sick! <laughs> That's their war assets. It's just Oh just, my god. <laughs> literally, bro, that's so cool. Like, imagine, imagine if you were playing the game and it was just that. <laughs> I would love to see those fucking jellyfish characters. I forgot their names. They're just fucking Uzis. <laughs> yeah, they're just like... <laughs> just, no, no, no. Hangar is what they're, they're called. They just turn into mages and, every, like, their voice is how they conjure magic. <laughs> They just conjure that magic with their amazing voice. By the way, whoever does the voices for them, perfect. Like, I love listening to their character, even though they repeat the same line over and over again. I just love their, like, voices. I don't know why. I, I just think that every side, um, every side species, like the, the Volus, the Hangar. The Batarians. The, the Batarians. Well, the Batarians do have a kind of play in the story in the first one, at least. If you played that asteroid mission, you know what I'm talking about? Well, wait, wait, quick question. Was there a refugee camp for the Batarians on the Citadel? Um, yes, but that's because, uh, what's it called? That's because, uh, fuck, why can't I speak today? That's because the Reapers hit them first. Okay, my mine was because I destroyed the system, and when I sent a distress signal, only a few people made it out, and the the people at the refugee camp was the was the people that made it out. Yeah, interesting. That's another thing that uh, I got differently than you did. Hmm. I am attempting to look up the species that. The that that particular the I was saying Rangar, but I feel like that's wrong. What is that race that's like the short dudes that have like the breathing problems? That's the Volus. Oh, those guys are those guys are hilarious. I love uh, Elcor. I'm dumb. I said Rangar. What is Rangar? I have I I was confusing it for the Hanar, but I thought uh, oh called. I thought that it started with an R, so I just kept on saying Rangar. I apologize, everybody. It's been a minute since I played the game. The Elcor. Elcor. Yeah, but like... The Elcor are my favorite race, what unfortunately, if, even though I forgot the you name. You know what they should have done? They should have done like a DLC where you go to like every single race, like the Elcor, the Paterians, the Volus, and all of them, and you go to their planets where they live, and you help them out with, against the Reapers, and then you get them as war assets. I think that would have been... I don't think they should have done it as a DLC. I think that should have just been the fucking game. Yeah, that should have been in the game. Like, instead of it making it fetch quests and stuff like that... Listen, if you want to play this game and just play the main missions and the side stuff, it's, like, just the side stuff that's not, like, the fetch quests, because that does take up a good majority of the game, unfortunately. If you wanted to play that, you'll get a decent, like, 20, 30 hours in the game. But it's, like... You know, if you're able to make like another 10 hours of the game be you're going to these different planets to help out these other races, that's so cool. Make the Volus like, yeah, they're in the research department helping the Catalyst. 
Well, the thing for, is, well, is like... For the Crucible, excuse me. For the mercenaries, it's like the blood pack. You just had to talk to someone, and then they're like, all right, we're on your side. And then the Blue Suns, they're like, well, you either got to kill this character or you got to go do a fetch quest. So I did the fetch quest, and they're like, okay, we got the Blue Suns. And it's like, uh, why... I feel like I could be doing something more interesting yeah instead of just going to a planet scanning it probe and then bring back whatever i find yeah and that's the thing that i feel like the game has a lot of issues with it's like it doesn't know how to balance like the stuff that they want to show us to the stuff that they were just like we have to add this just for the sake of time it's like they don't know what they necessarily want to do with it so it's like here we go here's a way to get more war assets because the thing is is that in the original game there was multiplayer there was multiplayer in mass effect 3 so yeah so there was multiplayer and there was that played a part in your galactic readiness the the multiplayer is similar to the horde mode in uh in uh gears of war okay where like you're playing with like one of your friends online and you basically have to hold off wave after wave Okay. Um, but it essentially helped with your galactic readiness. It was another portion of like the drop-down menu of like stuff that adds to your galactic readiness. So the whole thing had to be reorganized and restructured for what gives you more war assets than other things. So it's like... Wait, would you play as two different shepherds? You're not playing a shepherd in the multiplayer. Oh, okay. I was like, you you have like characters that you can play as and stuff like that. Like you're able to play as like an Asari or a Turian or a Krogan. I think if you're able to play as a Krogan, I'm not sure, but you're able to play as like different humans as well, stuff like that. So, oh, I didn't even know I had a multiplayer. Yeah, well, the game came out in 2012. I'm sure the servers aren't active anymore. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but what's it called? Uh. Yeah, it's like they had to balance it out, and I get it because the multiplayer was a huge portion of it. And, you know, obviously you had to play that in order to get more war assets. Like, it wasn't, it was kind of an option, but it also kind of wasn't an option. It's like you play multiplayer now so that you can get more war assets. And it's like, okay, that's an incentive. You're able to play the game, and then turn, you get more war assets for your single player campaign. But, uh, what's it called? Um, yeah, when you're playing this game without multiplayer, it's like they had to completely rework the war asset system, so it's like now you have to rely on those side missions, those fetch quests, every now and again. It's like, this is a little annoying, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, yeah. But, um... Oh, and for me, the last big gripe for me would be the fact that I wasn't able to play Eden Prime at all like yeah i also think that that probably has to do with some glitches because i managed to play eden prime 100 percent fine there was nothing wrong with my eden prime i was not able to load eden prime at all not even slightly like it would go on i okay so the weird part is it would go on the eden prime thing it would make me choose my squad mates so i pick liara and tr i almost just called her tr uh liara and tally 
I'd pick those two, I'd get ready, I'd pick out their loadouts, and then I would launch mission. It would show for like two seconds, like this animation of the Normandy flying immediately restarts the game. Like, yeah, it, it did that every single time. So I was like, okay, maybe if I played a mission or two and then I went back to it. Nope. Okay, maybe if I do this. Nope. I even loaded a previous save that was an hour beforehand to see if it would work. Still didn't work. It Nothing I did worked to uh, allow me to play Eden Prime. So I was just getting really annoyed. <sighs> Unfortunately. Yeah, I just feel like... And I feel I, like this game I, had my, a few more bugs than any, any of the other ones, too. All of my games ran fine. Mass Effect 1 is the one where I encountered a really bad glitch, which was on Vermeer. Ironically, I praised that mission so much, but at the same time, I was walking through the... Uh, I was walking through the... Um, facility and then do you know the place where like the like basically zombie solarians are yeah and like you have the option to like kill them or not you know that area yeah yeah yeah. so after i killed them because i was like i'm gonna put these people out of their fucking misery this is a little sad uh (laughs) i put them out of their misery and i decided to start going my frame rate dropped to like five frames a second like and it stayed there for a while. Like, I was walking through the facility, and I was reading on Reddit, like, yeah, they haven't made a patch for it yet, they're working on it currently, but if you walk out of that particular area and go into the next portion of the building, um, you're able to kind of, like, avoid the frame drops. So I walked into the next area of the building and everything was fine, but when I had to walk back through that area... It went back and down. It went back down again. But it didn't go back down nearly as bad. It was at like 30 instead of 60. Because my game ran at 4K 60 the entire time. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know that about that. One, yeah. Other than that one moment, I had a consistent 4K 60 the entire time. I think I rarely saw it go before below 140 frames at 2K. I I think I, I don't know. I think my computer was doing pretty damn well. Actually, I did yeah, notice in the second game, uh, when fighting that Reaper at the end of the second game, I noticed the frame rate went down to a hundred. Okay, I, yeah, but that's also fucking bruh. <laughs> yeah, but I think, I think if you're able to get anything over sixty frames for any game, I'm gonna preach right now. Frame rates. I feel like high frame rates matter primarily in online games. At this particular point, we're starting to get consoles and games that are able to run at 4K60. However, I will say, single-player games, you have no reason for them to be running past 60 frames a second. I'm going to sit here on my pedestal and say that there's no reason for it. Because you're just going to make this. I just like the smoothness. I'm aware, but 60 frames feels smooth. And on top of that, like, after 120, no, after 144, there's not much after. There's not much the eye can see after that. Uh, so it's like, we've, we've talked about this before. It's like, there's only so much that developers can do 
with consoles and graphics cards and stuff like that at this point. It's like there's only so much people can do at yeah. this point to make them better. And it's like until the point where it's like the eye doesn't even register it anymore. It's like if you want to make 8K a standardized thing, sure, fine. Because technically speaking, if I plug my PlayStation 5, which by the way, I have a PlayStation 5, suck on that, bitches. If I plugged in my PlayStation 5 into a TV with an HDMI 2.1 port, I could play 8K60. Interesting. And, and end of sentence, yeah. And then I can play 4K at 120. That, that, that is the specs, according to the HDMI 2.1, like, of what it should be. Yeah. Clearly, I haven't played it, but still. Well, as well, let's... And while, I mean, I don't really have any more critiques, I was just going to bring up the, uh, the ending of Mass Effect 3. Yeah, and... I have some critiques about the ending, but we're going to talk about that as we continue talking about our endings, so... So... Actually, I think I'm going to talk about my ending after yours because mine is catastrophically yeah. horrible. Yeah, yours is like a cluster dumpster, dumpster fuck fire, a cluster fuck dumb fire. That's what I meant to say. Um, so my ending, I had eight thousand galactic galactic readiness, galactic readiness. I had eight thousand, and by the time that we were about to go back to Earth and do all that sort of stuff. So, I was playing through it, had a blast in the final mission. The final mission is my favorite mission in the game, minus the Genophage mission. I came down to me making the last decision of the three choices, which I will say I feel like if there was any time for it to be a suicide mission, Mass Effect 3 should have had the suicide mission. I'm just going to state that right from the get-go. It should have had the suicide mission. Mass Effect 2 is a great game. I also think because of the suicide mission. And I think that if Mass Effect 3 had a suicide-esque mission, it would have brought the ending to, of the game to a greater level than what it could have been. Or than it was. Yeah. But I chose the destroy ending because... I had learned that no matter what, no matter what you do, Shepard will die at the end of the game, except for the destroy ending where you survive at when you have like 7,500 war assets for your galactic readiness. So I decided that I was going to do the destroy ending because I want Shepard to live. And then I realized what the destroy ending meant. And I was like, oh, fuck, that means that I have to destroy all. AI life. That blows. Oh well, sorry, Edie. Boom! And shot shot. Oh, the you destroy. also killed the Geth and Yeah, I know. I didn't think about it at the time. And now looking back on it, I probably would choose synthesis. Yeah. Um But uh I chose the destroy ending because I wanted Shepard to live. I feel bad for Edie, I feel bad for Joker, he's not getting that robotic puss anymore. <laughs> And oh no. <laughs> um but yeah <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah, I think that um overall I enjoyed the ending. I think that 
I understand why people are a little bit let down. They hope that having all your decisions in Mass Effect 1 and 2 means something in Mass Effect 3. I think that would have made a lot more people happy. But I also think the way that this game's set up, I think that the way the franchise is set up, there's no real way for... Your decisions in Mass Effect 1 and 2, I can't see decisions in those games being echoed into 3 that would affect the ending. So I think that they kind of needed to make it like either the galaxy wins or the galaxy loses. I feel like the three different decisions, I feel like that kind of messed with it. Yeah. I think that you should have had a starter galactic readiness of... If if they were going to do it where Mass Effect 1 and 2 played a part, make it like Mass Effect 1 and Mass Effect 2, depending on how much you did in those games, the galaxy was ready enough. And then you put war assets. More assets in there. Yeah. So you already have a set of war assets at the beginning of the game, and it maybe gives you an upper advantage as to somebody who, let's say didn't do as many side quests as you and now has to do a lot more in mass effect three compared to the person who did everything in mass effect one and mass effect two. So it's, it's something that I think that like the war assets should have been the determination of what happens at the end of the game, not a decision between three different, three different endings. I understand that the three endings are now how they are. There's no way to change them unfortunately but i will sit here on my pedestal and say that there was a better way to handle the ending but i also enjoy the ending i think the ending is fine for what it is and i think that it concludes the franchise in a way that it should have been concluded so i'm just just curious to see how so i I, i'm I'm assuming because of the destroy ending that the way he survives if Shepard does show up in Mass Effect 4, and if he doesn't, then that's just a waste of potential right there. But I um, think that there's a way for... Lazardus 2.0. No, I think that there's a way for it to be like... Because the thing is, is that if you choose the control ending, you get disintegrated. And if you choose the synthesis ending, you get disintegrated. And if you choose the destroy ending, explosion happens in front of your face. And depending on whether or not you have enough war assets, you'll live or you die. So it's really hard. It's it's pretty much to say, yeah, the destroy option is the, the true ending. The destroy option... I don't know if it's the true ending, though, because I think if they're going in the Mass Effect 4 and they need to consider that most people probably didn't get that ending, I think that they're going to try to take the synthesis ending as the true ending. I think the synthesis ending is the best of both worlds between the control and destroy. Um, Wait, I just just never thought of something. What if they somehow make it as if you didn't make a choice? And oh, this is actually going into my option. I'm just trying to give myself a reason to. My theory, <laughs> though, my theory is because the thing you gotta understand in the Mass Effect for Mass slash Mass Effect Five trailer, depending on if you consider Andromeda. Uh, in that trailer, the only character you see in the entire that's from the franchise at all is, is Liara. Liara. Yeah. Liara, technically speaking, is supposed to be living for hundreds and hundreds of years. 
So in my thought process, maybe it she's takes only a hundred and four. Yeah. The, so my th- my thought process is maybe, just maybe, it takes place like hella into the future where like everybody has since long passed and Liara is the only person in that franchise still alive. That there could be a possibility. Well, th- also, there are other characters that would have stayed alive, like the Krogan and the Turians, but still. How long did the Turians live for? I don't know. Um, I do know the... S- Sol- I'm wanting to say Solarians. Solarians, Solarians live the longest, I know that much. No, oh, no. no they live the shortest. They live like no, 30 no, to 40 no, no, no. years. The Corians the live the shortest because of their immune systems. I, I I could have swore Morden said that they only lived to be like thirty to forty years old. That's the Corians, I think. I feel like it, it was Morden that said it. Because I he was like, yeah, I've lived a long time. And he was like, yeah, thirty years, and I was like, what? <laughs> but um, the Vorcha, the Vorcha are the are the shortest. Lifespan in the entire franchise, but what is the Vorcha again? The the short- Vorcha are, are like the are the like the really weird creatures that worked for the Blood Pact or the Blood Pack. Oh, okay. All right, I am looking. So, the Asaris are able to reach up to a thousand. The Vorcha is able to live up to twenty years. Solarians reach up to forty, but um. Quarians can reach the same age as humans, but they'll die earlier because of infections and illnesses and stuff like that. Krogans won't die of old age. They won't? They, they, have, they have biological immortality. No Krogans died from old age. They've died in battle. Um, the, Interesting. The, you remember Okir on Tachanka? Like, basically, like, the patriarch of... Yeah. Chanka, he's 2,000 years old. And Rex is at least 700. Okay. And it's assumed that Elcor will live for really long, just because of how slow they are and how slow their biology is as well, because they're slow-moving and they're large, so their life expectancy is assumed to be long. But, uh, yeah. Well, you were right about the Quarian. You were right about no, not the Quarians, the Solarians. Well, as well, and, and oh, I'm going to go into the ending because we're we've reaching more than an hour now on the podcast. Oh shit! Look at us talking about Mass Effect Three, the longest. <laughs> um, my ending was, and this is me being stupid. For some reason, I thought because. Every single event leading up to Mass Effect 3, I thought I always chose the underdog decision. Like I didn't make a decision and then somehow Shepard just made it happen. So I was like, okay, he could do that for the ending. So I figured I don't want him to die. So I'm not going to do the control option. I'm not going to do the synthesis option because he's going to die. And then the third option, I don't want to lose the Geth or Edie or any of them. So I was sitting there, I was like, well, if I don't do anything at all, maybe he, you know, pulls like blockbuster movie-esque fucking bullshit out of his ass and he somehow finds a way to kill the Reapers without killing himself 
But instead, he just kind of just lays there and he's like, yep, I guess everyone dies. I was like, wait, no, 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 no. I was expecting you to do something different. So I got that. And then when it wanted me to reset, I didn't have a load until much, much later, a.k.a. when you first invade the Cerberus base. So no, I, because because the Cerberus base is your last mission. Is tech, it starts up the last set of missions? Yeah, it wanted me to start all the way from over there. I wanted to start. Okay, but from, there's only there, there's only two other missions though. The Cerberus base, which is like a mission that takes maybe like thirty to forty five minutes, and then the last mission. Yeah, that's what I wanted to happen. I wanted to go to right before you teleport to the Citadel and redo that. Yeah, nah, bruh, bruh. That's not how that works. I know I wanted to, and then it brought me there, and I was like, it took me like an hour or two to get to um, that point again. I was like, and it was already like midnight to 1 a.m., and I was like, you know. No, I'm... it was 3 in the morning. I I, I work was overnights. It? Yeah, I work overnights, and he texted me at 3 o'clock in the morning. I just beat Mass Effect 3. I fucked up. I really fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> well, either way, I was tired, and I haven't touched the game since then. I will force him to do it, and I'm going to change my ending as well, eventually, just because. But, I don't know, I was, I was pretty upset about it, but at the same time, it, I realized my mistake that I probably should not have done that. I was being a little, in a way, I was being cocky and thinking that maybe I was going to get an ending that no one else did, but I never looked up what the other endings were. So I didn't have any idea. I knew this there was... man. This this man thought he was going through some breakthroughs. He thought that he was the only person who tried this. <laughs> well, needless to say, I got the worst ending. But my theory is, maybe in the fourth game, maybe that fourth ending is the true ending, where he doesn't do anything, and then he ends up continuing to fight against them. No, because. In, Mass, in the trailer for Mass Effect 4, Liara is walking on a dead Reaper. Yeah, they continue to fight him. But how would the Reaper be dead? Because if they... Cause they've in they've the killed end, two of cause, them. Because in the ending of your ending, like it's basically confirmed like, yeah, everybody's going to be don't diddy dead because Shepard didn't make a decision. <laughs> Well, fair enough, but I I'm just trying to... The Reaper's one in your scenario, I'm sorry. I, I know you wish that your... I want to salvage it. I know that you wish that your ending was the canonical ending, but it's not. You killed everybody. <laughs> yeah. The Reaper's won. They went back into their stasis for 50,000 years, and they're going to kill again. No, no. Congratulations. No, no the, my ending, um, Liara left a message... For the next cycle. And, I know, but still. Well, and, and then they ended up winning against the Reapers in the next cycle. That's how my ending finished. Okay. It, but that's apparent that's apparently how they did it. Was they, they ended up finished they ended up killing the Reapers in the in the next cycle. Yeah, some dumb bitch didn't make a decision, so we had to deal with this shit. <laughs> fair enough, fair I enough. I hope I hope they don't recycle the Reapers for Mass Effect 4. Well, I'm That's... just trying to figure out how did they even top the Reapers? I don't know. 
Like, Mass Effect Andromeda showed very clearly that they couldn't think of a different idea for... What even was the big bad guy in Andromeda? It's it's this alien race in the Andromeda galaxy called the Kets that essentially harvest uh, the... What's it called? They harvest the species of the Andromeda galaxy to turn them essentially into their army. Instead of making Reapers... They make their own army. So it's the collectors in a way. Kinda. Yeah. But instead of it being because the collectors are Protheans. Yeah, I know that. But it's like instead of it being the collectors, uh, it's more like if the collectors were able to change everyone. Gotcha. Yeah. But uh what's it called? Um I think at this point we should probably start wrapping up and giving our final thoughts. I I'm gonna give my Thoughts about the entire franchise, not just this game. Um, I actually did make a review for the game. Um, and I gave it a 9.5 calibrations out of 10. And um, that's just me, only because I gave one of the games at like a 9. I think it was the yeah. first game. I think I gave the first game a 9. Yeah, I, I'm going to sit here and say this entire franchise is excellent. I think that if you're really that butthurt over the third game's ending, I think you just need to get some hobbies, touch some grass, go outside, and then... Touch some um, grass, get some ass. Touch some grass, get some ass, go outside, and enjoy life. But um, if you played this game and you enjoyed the final ending like I did... You need to just have a drink with me because you're chill. But uh, <laughs> um, what's it called? Uh, this entire franchise is great. I have no complaints about this franchise. I have some complaints about certain games, but as a franchise as a whole, this franchise is great. It's a great franchise. Um, my favorite game in the franchise will always be 2. I think that... Originally, I thought to myself, oh, yeah, Mass Effect 3 is going to be my, more my cup of tea. And I think it's going to be the game that I'm very happy with. And that's going to be my favorite. But everybody's right, man. Mass Effect 2 just is fucking the best of the three. And Mass Effect 2 hit heights that no other game can top, in my opinion. Unless they start doing similar mechanics and start doing similar formats to how Mass Effect 2 is, it hit such a height that no other game can top. They knew that they couldn't top it for Mass Effect 3, so they decided we're not going to even attempt to top it. We're just going to make it this badass fucking final departure. Um, Which works, but, you know, overall, I think this franchise is fucking amazing. As a person who doesn't like giving ratings, I am not going to give the franchise a rating. But I will say that I will recommend this franchise to anybody who is looking for a story-centric franchise that means so much in the world of storytelling, at least in my opinion. With good characters, lore, story, and conflict, I think this game... I think this is one of my, one of my if not my favorite, video game franchises. Yeah. I agree. But, it is my favorite video game franchise. 
I there might be some that I'm like kind of just nostalgic reasons I kind of like a little bit more but in terms of a story game this one's my favorite yeah I don't think that this can be topped I think that if after you're done playing this franchise you need more story games to kind of focus on we will be discussing more story games later on in these podcasts i'm sure um but in the meantime play mass effect it's a great franchise you will not be disappointed and that's all i have to say about that so yep and for the next episodes we are still discussing it i think we should do a tv show or a movie for the next one but um we i guess we're just gonna have to see when we when we do it but we will have new episodes coming out every friday um so that there's a consistent weekly basis of content for you guys to watch and or listen to so we'll be back next friday Alrighty. Uh, if you guys enjoyed this podcast, make sure that you give us uh, a follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening on to, and make sure to share it with all of your friends, and uh, we will see you guys on the next episode. All right. See you guys. See you.